The other's gang, two sisters, both curious and strange. A likely duo and they witty from the brain. It's the magic hour, Mercedes and Jay. This is part two. If you missed part one of this episode, you can find it in our podcast library now. If you're all caught up, welcome back. Do you have any maybe practices that you could recommend for people in a relationship with someone who is uh, trying to stay in that alpha more often than is healthy for the relationship, for instance, like my situation? Do you have anything for that? Do I have anything uh, specific to your situation? Sure. Anyone going through something similar? Yeah. For me. (laughs) For you, okay. Uh, Mercedes. um, (laughs) So what I would say is... I think you have a, a grasp of this, although I, this needs to be said for everyone who's listening who might be in a similar situation is what are your masculine wounds? Where did the masculine, where did you feel like the masculine energy in your life at any point in time took advantage of you, abused you, hurt you, caused you pain? Mm-hmm. And using this awareness, you can then understand why you felt the need to adopt more masculine energy because the masculine energy you were receiving wasn't healthy. Mm-hmm. So now you realize, like, okay, how did I get here? And that's an important first step because we don't want to put a Band-Aid on something if you don't understand why this happened. Mm-hmm. So essentially, we adopt more masculine energy because we don't feel safe within ourselves. And that's a protection mechanism. And it's also a result of a lot of um, social conditioning and the birth of the feminist movement Mm. and, you know, women having to compete with men in order to to get equal pay for the same work. Right. And so they had to work even harder. They had to, they had to really adopt more masculine energy. So all of these factors combined leads us to where we are here. And in order to heal this, we actually have to, start with our masculine wounds and healing our masculine wounds will help us feel more safe for our feminine energy to come out and play. The feminine energy wants to play, connect, love, nurture, dance, create. Hmm. The masculine energy is the canvas, the sturdy canvas on which the feminine energy can paint beautiful colors on and whatever that means to you (laughs) right Mm -hmm. um so i would say one learn where your masculine wounds come from heal your masculine energy by creating stability within yourself and safety within yourself Mm -hmm. and that means like you have to honor your commitments you have to set set and enforce boundaries um you have to keep promises to yourself. You have to stay organized. Boundaries, yeah. Have, have a sense of, of purpose. That's what really helps the masculine energy feel, feel safe too. And once you do this, now the feminine energy is like, cool, I have a container in which I can play in. Mm. I have a container in which I can just be and love and do it safely. I almost feel like as you're saying it that it's what I need to do is the masculine energy I'm projecting onto the world, onto my partner. Um, 
I need to essentially internalize it in a sense where I am creating, you know, masculine energy is very much what you're talking about, the container, the boundaries, the discipline. These are all very masculine terms. And if I can create that space inside for myself, instead of projecting it onto the world, it allows me to let that feminine energy rise. Am I picking that up right? Which then lets the man be the masculine that you need him to be, right? Whereas if you don't do that, then it's actually suppressing it in him. For him to to be Mm -hmm. his core energy, to be his masculine, healthy masculine. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's back to the conversation of the animus and the anima. What you're doing is you're basically healing the animus within you. You're creating the perfect partner within yourself first. Mm Mm-hmm. And by doing so, you're also allowing your core essence to come through and feel safe enough to, to expose itself to the world. Mm-hmm. Because the feminine energy, if it doesn't feel safe, and especially if it has masculine wounds, um, it's just going to hide. It's never going to feel safe. You're going to fear relationships. You're going to fear men. You're going to feel fear the masculine energy. Um, and you're going to be projecting this outward version of masculinity mm-hmm. in order to make yourself feel protected. Mm-hmm. But a lot of uh, people probably feel like it's something their partner's doing that's causing their energy to be out of balance instead of just trying to balance themselves so that, um, but we never want to take relationship. I feel like, uh, you know, or at least in myself, you know, speaking for myself, anytime something comes up, I learn a new theory, I read a book, it tells me I have to take now more responsibility for my <laughs> shit. And, you know, it's, instead of blaming it on someone else, I'm like very resistant to it because of course my ego is like, no, we don't want to do more work. We just figured out how to be safe and chill right here. Like, let's not change anything. Let's not, you know, we don't need to grow that bad, do we? Um, but yeah, and I wanted to also say for, for anyone listening, and I'm sure some have already heard this story here, but my, you know, to, to kind of play the part and answer your questions there, Miles, about how, how I think I have gotten to this place. And the work I've done, the inward work I've done thus far has brought up things like my dad didn't um, show up as the dad I wanted him to be. So in essence, I stepped into those shoes for him and I very much became the father figure I wanted. I wanted in some ways. And I play that role in a lot of people's lives. A lot of women's women come to me as the big sister. I also am the big oldest sister. So I very much played that role of like mother hen in a sense. Um, and then speaking to what you talked about there with the feminist movement or our current culture of women have to, you know, uh, really it's, um, egalitarian feminism, right? Like we are have to be equal to men, even though we have, we're very different beings energetically. All of those things came into play for me. You know, that influence of society, the influence of my mother, who is extreme, probably the most independent person I know, you know, not just woman. She's just like fully, you know, she'll do it herself to bulldoze through everything. So it's, it's not hard to see where I, I, raised all this extra overt masculine energy in myself. It's just a matter of how do I begin to dissolve where it's unhealthy and balance the feminine, you know, where I need more of it. And I think what you're saying there about um, 
creating the container for yourself and creating, you know, allowing the masculine energy to be in you because that's part of you, but using it in a healthy way where we create the container we need in order to allow the feminine in us to come out and play, you know, the way she wants to. Thank you. 100% correct. Yeah. How? All these episodes help me heal, you know, a little bit. This is our therapy. This podcast is our therapy. Beautiful. How can we as women help the men in our life rise to what you're talking about? It's a good question. Uh, and I say that to every single one of your questions. Well, I feel like it in a feminine way, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Off of what you're just saying too, this is a big chunk of it, right? Like we can see where we're, we're pushing them out of their own energetic core. Yeah. So the simple answer is do your own work and lead, lead by example. Mm. Um, yeah, the masculine energy has a lot of, and, and so does the feminine, but the masculine energy struggles really heavily with their ego and removing the mask. Because a lot of, like underlying all of these societal and masculine feminine um, contrasts is that the, men, the man feels like he needs to create value, whereas the woman, because she is a childbearer, naturally has value and so this is like an unconscious thing for most people where men feel like they need to you know become the protector and they need to become the provider and they need to be strong at all costs because they need to create value in order to feel like they're valuable Mm -hmm. and so a lot of a lot of the masculine energy today is is wounded in such a way where they they sometimes try to create value in unhealthy ways Mm. Where they might, they might seek power or take power because they feel hopeless or helpless inside. Um, but that being said, you know, if you're in a relationship with somebody and you're doing the work and you're like, how can I, a great question that I get asked all the time is like, how can I make my man be more vulnerable? Mm-hmm. How can I connect more intimately with him? The answer to that is not make him do anything. Um, you do your own inner work and you grow. And if that causes you to have a step, like a, a rift and separation, if you start to evolve beyond where he's at, mm-hmm. um, that's natural in the evolution, but it's also, there's a greater chance of him coming on board with you because he doesn't want to get left behind and your presence, your very presence is going to inspire him to make changes um, on an energetic level and also on a logical level, because now he sees you making different choices that he's not used to. He's not used to seeing that. And by you making new choices, there's a pattern disrupt. And that causes a perspective shift in him saying, Oh wow. Like she, she's not reacting to me the same way she used to. No. I better start doing something differently too. When we start to force change on other people, that's when we create resistance because people don't feel accepted as who they are. Mm. And the man, in order to feel loved, has to feel like you accept him. Mm. If you're trying to change him, he's going to feel like he's not worthy enough. And it's going to go down a downward spiral. And the relationship is going to suffer. So the best thing that the, that the feminine energy can do is do the work and hold space. 
hold space and hold a loving container for the man to show up in. Hmm. A different container. So you're not holding the masculine energy container. You're holding your own feminine Soft. container. Hmm. Which also gives him the opportunity to step up. Right. Yeah. I like that. And patience. <laughs> a lot and of patience. patience. Yeah. Collectively, I, mm-hmm, collectively, the feminine energy is going to have to have a lot of patience. Yeah. So we have a magic mob question. Because so much of the work you're doing asks others to evolve, I'm wondering what areas in your life you're working on evolving in yourself right now. Yeah. Um, like maybe what your daily rituals or routine are could be useful too. Sure. Um, so most of like what I'm doing for my evolution now is shadow work. Mm. I'm making my unconscious as conscious as possible. And so that means diving into all the parts of myself that I deemed bad at one point or that I abandoned myself for in order to earn the love and approval of other people. And I'm just going back into my childhood and going back into all the ways in which I created this version of me that I became and really deconstructing all of that in order to integrate wholeness, to take all of that stuff that I repressed back in the day and dig it up and integrate it and perform alchemical transmutation on it. Um, That would be the big thing. Shadow work for me is, is really where it's at in terms of my own evolution. I've noticed that once I started shadow work and I learned how to integrate all of the darkness and shadows that I didn't like about myself, that's when I started to harness a whole new spectrum of energy that I once didn't have access to. Mm. Because most of us operate on a spectrum of energy where we're only looking at all the good things in our life. This is why we wear masks. And we're neglecting or avoiding all the bad stuff. So we're actually missing out on a a whole spectrum of energy that we never even knew was there. Right. And so as you start to bring all of this darkness into the light, you have that much more light. That makes sense. Yeah. Like Um, truth is energy. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. So as far as my daily rituals, I read a lot. Um, I'm always trying to consume more educational content. And also I process it through journaling. And journaling for me helps me access more of my subconscious mind. And because of this, when you're writing things down, you're spending more time processing what you're writing. (laughs) Rather than if you were to just think it out loud or just think it to yourself, these thoughts just go through the ether of your mind and, and write out. You never really resolve anything. And as we learn to resolve the thoughts in our mind, we actually get less and less anxiety. Because hmm. anxiety is then compounded because we have all these unresolved thoughts just mm-hmm. pinging back and forth in our unconscious mm-hmm. mind. So the journaling um, is slowing it down enough for you to really see it. I don't know about you, but when, when I journal, it's almost 90% questions. I just write questions. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even answer them in there. I just write them and then figure they're in my brain now, like pretty clear and concise and I'll figure out the answers along the way. How does your journaling look? Um, it usually starts with a question in my mind mm-hmm. and then I'll just journal the thought out until I get to a resolution. Mm. And I don't like to leave things unresolved in my mind. 
because then I'm up at night thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And I might as well just spend the time journaling and thinking about it then and processing it to the end of where it can go until I can go no further. And then mm-hmm. that's when you can really find that inner clarity and inner peace. Yeah. Do you, do you go to therapy or, or have you? I have not. I've been doing stuff here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. sounds like you're doing a lot of it on obviously on your own. And then also the breath work is something that helped me because one of my biggest issues was trying to feel emotion more mm-hmm. because I had su- suppressed and then repressed habitually all of these emotions. And I didn't like my body would always feel tense and that would then start getting projected out into my external reality as frustration, anger, etc. So in order to really get some of these, this energy out, because again, emotion is just energy in motion. You have to move the energy. And so do by doing breath work, you're able to move that energy up and down your body and release it once mm-hmm. and for all. So I like something called holotropic breathing. Yeah. Mm. And that's just one breath in from the diaphragm, one breath in from the chest and then out through the mouth all in one. So um, you don't exhale after the diaphragm. So it just be like, I don't know if anybody can see that, but uh, so fill up your belly, fill up the top area of your lungs and then exhale. Is it always through the mouth? Everything. Mm-hmm. So in through the mouth, out through the mouth also. Yeah. You'll notice that your body can go into some sort of like tingling sensation or catharsis mm-hmm. and that's normal. And as you push through that, the energy continues to move. Very cool. And I'm sure if anyone wants to dig deeper in that, they can look up holotrophic breathing and there'll be all kinds of good stuff out there on YouTube and such. Um, thanks for sharing that with us. I, I wanted to touch on something that we kind of, I think we broached a little bit in this conversation already, but it's worth going back over. You said something, I have a quote here. You say, we crave love just so that we don't have to feel the absence of the love that we're not giving ourselves. How does this show up in our lives? Again, it's all projections. So we look outside of ourselves for the solutions because we never saw ourselves as the problem. Once you realize that you've been the problem, then you can realize that you are the solution. Mm. Now, for those of us who haven't yet realized this, we look to complete ourselves in the external. And that was what I've been doing my whole life with you know, seeking my worth inside of women. Mm-hmm. So in order to complete ourselves, as we've discussed with the animus and the anima, we have to work on our own balance of masculine and feminine energy within. So we're not projecting that on other people. And specifically to this quote, we're craving this love as a distraction because we think that that's what's going to complete us when really we're missing something internally and using someone else to fill a void that we haven't yet filled ourselves. Yeah, that's, uh, I think a lot of us, we don't know better. You know, we grow up, we have, we're children and as children and as, as infants, even we need the validation of our mothers just to survive our 
time is an infant when we can't do anything for ourselves. We need someone who recognizes us and says, you exist and you exist so much that I'm going to nurture you and feed you. And so we come into this life, I feel like creating this story that we need validation from other people in order for us to feel like, okay, I am here. I do exist. And I, and that means I am worthy. And it becomes that repetitive cycle. And as we go along our little lives, we have these traumas that sometimes say the opposite you know, or make us feel like it's the opposite. Like, oh, wait, maybe I don't exist or maybe I don't exist as loudly as I thought I was and I am not worthy or as worthy as I thought I was. And we have to, those are the obstacles we have to try to figure out down the line, right? That's what I'm hearing anyway from what you're saying there. Yeah. Um, And to add value to that, one of the greatest pieces that I've learned recently is when we can be our authentic selves, when we can feel safe enough to be our authentic selves and share our truth, that can only happen when we do that. We're met with connection rather than rejection. Mm. And that's why co-regulation is so important because it gets easier to accept yourself when you've just ripped your guts out and people accept you for it and love you for it regardless. Mm. And you're like, wow, it's not so bad after all. Why am I so scared to share this with people? Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the things I help people with in my group program is they have the ability to share what's, what, what their truth is, to be their authentic self at all times and be met with connection rather than rejection. So when you speak about co-regulation, that is the idea that you can hold space for someone, allow them to s- spill their guts, as it were. And holding space would mean coming and sitting for someone, basically, with no judgment, which means, you know, you're not in there telling them what to do, even with what what information they're giving you. But also, you're not putting your own judgments on them and saying, like, ew, that's, you know, even in your own mind, if you catch yourself doing that, that's likely because something is being triggered in you that you need to probably look at. So yes. that co-regulation piece that I think is really powerful because when we can do that with each other and especially in relationship, like in romantic relationship, um, we're essentially doing what happens in a, well, one side of what happens in a therapist's office, right? Is someone sitting for us, we're spilling our guts and it's a safe place. So that's why we feel we're able to spill our guts. They're not holding judgment. And then maybe just by sitting there, they're giving us a major tool toward healing. 100%. Yeah, I think when you can turn it around and then the other person does it back and you get to, you know, experience the other side of it. Uh, Jade and I <clears throat> brings up for me, Jade and I, um, we work in the mixed martial arts or, uh, world quite a lot. That's how we know each other through MMA. And in, let's call like in Muay Thai, for instance, you hold pads for someone and then you take turns, you know, you, tur- you, you then are the one who's kicking and punching and doing all that. So you get to experience both sides of that and both sides take specific technique and they're very, you know, they have their own difficulties and their own skills involved. Holding pads isn't just, you know, you're not just standing there. You're definitely catching punches and you will get hurt if you don't do it right, you know, or you'll hurt the other person if you don't do it right. So I don't know. I see some parallels in there. I just thought I'd mention. Yeah, I think that's a great metaphor. Um, so another question from our magic mob, uh, Tony on Instagram asks, how do we recognize when our ego is still clinging to our old identity? You put, you touched on this earlier a little bit, but let's go dive into that deeper. Sure. Um, so Tony, I would say that the, 
you know you're clinging to your old identity when you experience resistance. And the way to combat resistance is to develop a different relationship with uncertainty. And that requires self-trust. To have the unwavering belief in your ability to handle anything that comes your way is what's going to be able to help you release that resistance and embrace the uncertainty. Mm. In order to have that belief in yourself, you have to cultivate self-trust, which means you have to, again, keep promises to yourself, make incremental changes, um, and that's going to lead to lasting change. Mm. So it's just embracing uncertainty, knowing that no matter what happens, you're good. You're capable. You're going to become better for it. That old identity, I think the biggest step is recognizing where the old identity isn't serving you anymore. And in knowing that, you know, in finding out that truth, it allows you to accept whatever comes next, whatever your new identity, which as I mentioned earlier, is very much a process I'm going through right now. Um, but I think we're always kind of going through that process, right? Of releasing the old us because every day the old us dies and every morning we are born into whoever our new self is. And so that constant rebirth, I think we can get better at it, right? Like we get better at that great tell me we get better at it (laughs) (laughs) that's 100 true so there's a few short questions i like to ask everyone who comes on the show so if you could hug your younger self right now what would you say great question again um so this is a lot of the inner child work that um i've done and that i guide people through in my group programs and the inner child has created survival programs to make itself feel safe. And as you reflect back on your, your younger years, you see how the inner child created safety for itself, safety mm-hmm. and significance. But a lot of these things that the inner child did in a less aware state than you have now, we're still doing the same things. So we have to identify what those are and then even thank our younger self for keeping us safe in that time. Mm. But realizing that what they what they chose to do is actually preventing us from expanding and and healing and growing right now. Mm -hmm. So it's going to your inner child and saying, you know, thank you so much for keeping me safe during this time. Mm -hmm. You are loved. You are supported. You are taken care of. I love you, man. Thank you so much. (laughs) And I got it from here. That's cool. Mm -hmm. So you're, who are, how old are you when you're envisioning your hug of your younger self? So I look at different pictures of myself growing up and I speak to myself at different ages. But the one that really sticks out to me is when I was like three or four, just like the happiest, go luckiest kid ever, just whistling in his playpen and just had, had no, was never upset ever. Yeah. And I just go to that kid and I'm like, man, you've been through so much. Or you're going to go through so much. (laughs) (laughs) Just warning you, bro, but you'll be all right. It'll be all for the good. And you'll come out the other side. Oh, Hmm. for sure. We could all hear that. We could hear that right now, too. (laughs) If you could have the whole world read one book, which would it be? You already gave us a couple, so that's good, but. Yeah. <laughs> you want some more? Yes. Um, 
So radical honesty is really great because that was what set me on my journey of understanding mm-hmm. all the bullshit in my mind, all the stories. Mm. Once you can calm yourself from telling yourself stories, then you're in a place to make new decisions, new choices. Yeah. So I would totally recommend that book, Radical Honesty by Dr. Brad Clinton. Um, yeah, that's going to be the one I'm going to stick with for now. That works. I like it. I'm, I'm downloading it. Don't worry. It's happening. <laughs> All right. If you could whisper one phrase to everyone on the planet, what would it be? Mm. I would say two of them, but they're very closely related. One is as above, so below, mm-hmm. which is uh, a hermetic um, slogan, if you will. Mm-hmm. It's their founding philosophy, mm-hmm. which means as your external world is a reflection of your internal world mm-hmm. because everything is projection. Everything is a mirror. Mm. You see the world as it is, as you are, not as it is. Yes. And so that brings me to the next one, which is we see the world as we are, but the goal is to see the world as who we're becoming. Hmm. I like that. I haven't heard that twist. I just, Wait, I just say it again? tweeted it like two days ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, say it one more time. We see the world as we are, but the goal is to see the world as who we're becoming. Hmm. That's something Jade talks about. Tom Shady. I know you're about to say this, Jade. Um, t- Jade's best friend, Tom Shady, says, well, Jade says that the way he perceives her all the time when they're in person is as if he already sees her as who she wants to be, if that makes sense. We also did a magic trick where he sees me for who I want to become, but I feel like I'm a pretty positive person. And one time Tom Shadyak and I were hiking in Telluride and I looked over and I said, it looks like that mountain's uh, flipping us off. And he goes, looks like an eagle to me. And he was like, I guess we see it as we are. But I don't feel like, <laughs> like I've never flipped someone off in my life. So I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Our perceptions are interesting things. But yeah, he sees me as, as um, for who I want to be. And that makes me feel very seen. So, um, yeah, I think if we can do that for our loved ones, too, it it helps them rise, yeah. you know, without and falling in love with potential. It's a slippery slope. That's you know? the, that's exactly what I have on my mind is how do we do that without falling in love with potential? But yeah. I think you gave us a lot of tips. It's like that. Paul Selig says, sing their song until they remember it, which again, it's a slippery slope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Truth. I don't even like that saying slippery slope. It makes me feel weird. Um, <laughs> before we let you go, where can people find you online? Yeah. So first, thank you so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure speaking with yeah. you both, meeting you both. Um, we'd love to dive into your stories sometime. Hmm. And um, for those of you who found value here, we'd love to check out some more of my work. You can find me on Instagram at the Miles Scott. That's T H E M Y L E S S C O T T. Okay. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Miles, thank you for helping me remember today that I, my identity is not rigid and it is fluid and it's okay to grow through and above it, hopefully into something even better. And um, I just appreciate the work you're doing and the light you're bringing into so many people's lives, the bridge you're being. So thank you for being a light.
Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. It's really been an honor and a privilege to be here and just meet you guys. I'm thankful that he's putting out all of his information on, on, uh, he's making it so, so accessible. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, bite size too. It's not, you don't, you can take it as you, as you, as you're able to integrate it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's very calm. I, yeah, exactly. I felt very uh, bubbly and energetic today in comparison. Like I was like, oh, I'm just bouncing right along here. Yeah. But um, well, what a grounding uh, is what we should call that. Actually. Yeah. Grounded energy. You know what? It's interesting because a lot of people with their information, they're very passionate about it when they're talking about it and it's like, Oh, they found their calling. They're really, mm-hmm. they really love their work with him. He's so calm. And so to me, um, not that the others haven't, but to me, it's like, it makes me feel like he's just really, um, comfortable with it. Like he's just really, um, it's just what's inside him, you know, like he's just, I don't, I don't know if that makes sense. But. Yeah, like he understands, he's not only spouting uh, this void information. Of passion. Yeah. yeah, he's not just spouting the information. He actually understands it's resonating. It's resonant inside him. Yeah. <laughs> We're over here well, analyzing he, it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, we, it was such an analytical podcast. We had to go there. Yeah, um, that's funny. <laughs> well, what, uh, what do you have for your magic trick? What magic do we have today? Mm-hmm. Today, my magic trick is actually something that uh, Miles has posted about on his socials, and he talks about also often. It is that discipline is sexy. So I found some clear steps to create self-discipline, um, courtesy of Terry Crews, but I wanted to to first mention that discipline, you know, we talked about it earlier in the show and it being such an important part of how we can create the container that we um, want to live within, right? The, mm-hmm. the container that sometimes we're asking the world to create for us or we're asking our partner to create for us or whatever outside things we're asking um, to create this boundaries and container for us. I know you hear my cat in the background. She, <laughs> loves, she loves the end of our podcast. She always comes on. For some it's okay. We already need a noise disclaimer on this episode. So just go on. So I just wanted to first make clear that discipline is not punishment. Discipline is training. That's an important um, distinction between those two because if we can stop saying discipline is, is a negative thing and start seeing it as a positive, then we will welcome it into our lives and therefore it will become the part of our life that we want it to become. So how do we begin to be more disciplined? So first off, remove temptation may seem obvious, but it's a really critical part that I think a lot of people neglect. So say you have um, your discipline is going to be around food or losing weight. For instance, you'd obviously need to remove the type of foods that you know you're prone to eating because they're going to not, um, they're going to be an obstacle for you to lose the weight you want to lose. So remove those out of your household, out of your eyesight, all that. Uh, or if, say, it's pornography, like a lot of people are struggling, of course, with uh, pornography tendency or addiction where they go, it's mm-hmm. always a go to thing. Well, remove, you know, the websites out of your, um, 
histories and maybe you're already doing that just (laughs) just because people (laughs) probably don't keep that in their web history, but uh, remove any other triggers that could cause you to want to fall back into that tendency that you're trying to get out of. So that's really important. How do we remove the tendencies that um, cause, I mean, the triggers that tend us to go back and fall back into the habit we don't want to have anymore. If it's porn, for instance, we might say that on certain nights of the week, I don't know what it is, you know, we're going to, that's the night we usually like to spend watching porn. Um, Well, then on those nights, make sure you have something else scheduled to keep yourself you know, busy and it's a something mm-hmm. healthy, obviously. And so that you can avoid doing the thing you don't want to do. Or if it's at nighttime, you want to eat ice cream after dinner every night um, or something sweet. That's one of mine for sure. So figuring out a way to avoid that, that moment where you're going to feel like, Oh, I want to go get the ice cream and I want to make that old habit, you know, continue on, uh, find a way to not allow that to happen. And that might look like, um, after dinner, you're, you, you set up a bath for yourself or something else that's going to be a healthy substitute. And then number two is to eat regularly and healthfully to avoid what we have probably talked about a lot here on the show, but it's talked about in therapy a lot. It's called H-A-L-T, HALT, which stands for um, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. And so why you want to eat regularly and healthfully so that you can avoid making the bad decisions or creating a vulnerable situation in which you might fall back on a bad habit, right? If you're hungry, if you're angry, if you're lonely, if you're tired, those are all vulnerable situations that are going to cause you to go into an old, comfortable, bad habit. So we want to avoid halt. And number three is don't wait for it to feel right. Um, There's a lot of different parts of our brains, including prefrontal cortex, the basal ganglia. I don't need to use a bunch of science words because I'm definitely not a scientist, but Mm -hmm. these different parts of our brains have different, um, uh, let's call them instructions and also different patterns that we've created within. Those are called our habits. And so we want, when we want to rework a habit or we want to remove a habit, it's really important to remember that the thing that feels comfortable, the bad habit that we always go back to is created a deep groove. Kind of like if you had a record, right? Uh, Like an old school record, you know, there's deep grooves in it and you set the record needle into them to play the music. Well, the deeper the groove, the the tone changes on the record and your habit is set deeply. And so that's what I'm trying to make a parallel there. I don't know if it's a good one, but when we have bad habits that we've had for a long time, we have created these deep grooves in our brain. And in order to stop um, creating the groove or deepening the groove, we need to change the habit. And it's very important to remember that it might not feel right because it's not going to feel like the homely, the, the comfortable, safe thing that you always go back to, which is that bad habit. It's going to feel completely different and it might not feel right at the moment. So just do it anyway. Do the healthy thing anyway. Um, it's kind of like writing with your other hand, you know, it never feels mm. right, but you can do it. It just doesn't feel right. But if you did it for long enough, you'd be just as good with writing with the opposite hand than you're used to. Okay. So number four is scheduling breaks, rewards, and treats. So this is pretty much self-explanatory, but it's important to make time to reward yourself for the hard work you're doing in changing your habits. And it's important to note that let's say you're trying to quit drinking 
well, then your treat is not going to go be mm-hmm. having a drink. You know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. don't go to the bar yeah. and have a drink. Um, but it can be something that makes you feel good and acknowledges that you have done this hard work of trying to, to replace or break this habit. And maybe it means taking a half day off of uh, work to relax and read a book, or maybe it means having a movie date. You know, you get the idea. And then number five is forgive yourself and move forward because you're going to fail. And even though, you know, failure is going to happen, it's just a reality. If we can use it as a learning opportunity and see it that way and see it uh, and seeing that, seeing it that way, it actually tells yourself it's only temporary. Like this is a learning opportunity. This is on purpose in a sense. So when you fail, if you can witness it, learn from it, forgive yourself and then move forward. That is the goal. So that's number five. You want to be able to be okay with failing. And when we do forgive yourself and move forward, that mm-hmm. is it. That is how we are going to create more discipline in our lives. Damn it. Discipline. It's going to take discipline. Remember all those. It wasn't very simple, but rewind it if you need. Yeah. Um, it's not, it's not a simple process, man. Yeah, it's yeah, not. Really. Discipline really isn't. It takes discipline. Yeah. To be disciplined. Yes, it does. Um, that for your magic today, Jade. So my magic trick actually comes from Miles, and he brought it up uh, briefly. He touched on it in this episode, of course, but he says obsessive crushing on someone without reciprocation is an indication of how strongly you project what you're missing internally onto others. So for some reason, that was mind-blowing to me. Um, you know, we get these like, third eye crushes on people sometimes, uh, Mercedes. And I know even with my partner, he reciprocated, but not at the level that I was feeling. Or so, you were at just currently. Right. Right. So, so that for some reason was just mind blowing to me that we do that because we're missing something internally. And I'm sure I have heard it before, but for some reason, the simple way that Miles put it, it was like, mm-hmm. okay, well, what does this person have that I don't? Mm-hmm. Um, what am I missing internally? And then it kind of takes away their power over you. It kind of takes away from that, like, oh, I'm so obsessed with this person. Or like, they're so amazing. It takes away from that and puts it more on, well, how can I cultivate that in myself? Um, yeah. And I think a piece of that too is the attachment piece he was talking about earlier, like where we attach ourselves to someone. Like literally think about how narrow that is. If you have put all this responsibility on one person because of your your unhealthy attachments mm-hmm. and you said, this person holds the key for me. This person is my other half and I am not whole without them. First of all, it's so much responsibility on that person but also it's so much responsibility that you have neglected to take inward because, and that's basically giving your power away. Like you're just saying, I don't have any power and I don't have any control over that. All those sections in my life that that person would fulfill. Yeah. And he brings up another good point. Uh, He says, you know, when you imagined your perfect partner, did you ever think this perfect partner will not like me back? Never, you know, so mm-hmm. your idea of the perfect partner reciprocates your feelings. Therefore, what you're experiencing is a projection of the inner relationship that you have yet to cultivate and are placing expectation and even relying on someone else to fill the void of that missing inner relationship to complete you. So um, 
you know, we all do this. Uh, so it was just a, a interesting way to look at it. And he also says this concept is also explained in Jungian psychology as the animus and the anima, which he mm. brought up today. Those with feminine dominant energy project their animus, their ideal soul image, their perfect partner onto the masculine energy as a way to complete themselves and as a way to integrate the masculine energy within. Those with masculine dominant energy project their anima onto the feminine for the same reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, projecting in this way is seeking your solutions in the external and by doing so robs you of your power to become your own solution internally. All relationship and dating issues tie back to your relationship with self. What parts of yourself are you neglecting or abandoning? How are you projecting the unintegrated parts of yourself onto others and expecting them to complete you? Mm-hmm. So I know that he kind of covered that multiple times in this episode, but the way he articulated it in that post exactly, for some reason, it just simplified it in a way for me where I could grasp it. It was like a remedial mm-hmm. Jungian you know, <laughs> epiphany. Yeah. Uh, but you also, I think seeing it in writing helps so much. Like for Oh, me big time. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so I just thought, okay, what did my partner have in the beginning that I didn't have internally? And I thought maybe it was like how responsible he is. Um, how he prepares for the future, things like that. So, so it can be as simple as that, or it can be as simple as like when we have guests on and we, you know, maybe put them on this like mm. pedestal. Mm-hmm. Um, what do they like? Is it because they articulate in a way that I had dreamed to? So just a simple way for you to um, kind of remove your obsession off of someone else and put it on to what you can work on internally. But, I love that. All right, Magic Mobbers, thank you so much for tuning in and making this, taking this journey with us. If this episode held some magic for you, please share it with your friends and family. This would mean so much to us. And don't forget to join us on our Instagram page at The Magic Hour and let us know what your favorite episodes have been so far. We appreciate all of your feedback and want to know what's lighting you up. Yeah, I think you had a Freudian slip there. You said, thank you for making this journey with us. And they truly yeah. are. You guys really yeah. are making this journey like happen. You're making us realize where we need to focus. And then we have guests on that help us focus in those areas. So you are truly making this journey with us. And we appreciate mm-hmm. you. Um, you guys know we release a, a new episode every Monday. So you can catch us again there next week. Um, or you can go listen to some of our past episodes in our podcast library now. Until then. Then be a light. Quick disclaimer. We are not medical professionals, so following any of our protocols or advice should be done at your own risk, people. And please remember to always, always do your own research. Tap into that extraordinary growth mindset we all have access to within ourselves and seek out your own answers. Come on, guys, you know, you know the deal. And by the way, if you are a medical professional or an expert in any topic we cover and you feel we are not giving accurate information about it, please find somewhere to contact us. Contact us via social or email us at our website and let us know. A major goal of ours in doing this podcast is to bring value to people's lives by sharing helpful insights and info. So we welcome being corrected at any time and we'll be happy to share any of our fuck ups with our listeners so as to get us all back on track to discovering our happiest, healthiest selves.